We are continuing to study Proverbs, and um, we're going to keep on with that this morning. We're looking at these thematically. If you've ever seen the book of Proverbs, it's, it's not laid out like an outline. And, and in fact, it's a really devilishly hard book. That's wrong adverb, but uh, <laughs> wrong book to, to uh, or difficult book to, to outline because you, just, you kind of have to glean from here and there and batch things together to, to see how topics and subjects are developed. So we're going to try to do that this morning. Um, an older pastor friend of mine, he's, he's been at it a lot longer than I have. I've heard him say that there's this real dilemma for preachers, and the dilemma is that the more faithfully you preach what God's Word is really saying, the bigger a hypocrite you become. And he's right. You know, the more faithfully you really open up and say, now, what, what is God really saying here? I guess it's true of all of us, but when it's your job, you know, when it's, when it's what you do vocationally, you become a bigger and bigger hypocrite. And that, that's true for me always when I'm up here, and it would, I think Jonathan and Adam would say the same thing. But I, I really acutely feel it this morning. I really feel it acutely. Um, I, I, well, I was going to use the verb struggle with anger, but I don't think that's the right verb because sometimes I don't struggle with it at all. I say, anger, just say whatever you want to say. Anger, do what you, whatever you want to do. Um, I think, uh, if it's okay to say this, with the, with the larger group, I think the closest I ever came to crying uh, in our community group this past year was when I, you know, told a, a group of people in my living room that I'm an angry person. So... Uh, what we're looking at is not, um, is not a successful Christian telling you how to be successful too. This is uh, us trying to come to grips with what does it look like to be wise? And wisdom biblically is the skill of, of living. Uh, it's, um, it's learning how to live life competently. It's learning how to navigate the complexities of life. And if you're going to do that, you better think through this thing called anger. So let's look at God's Word. This, this is from Proverbs. And um, I'm not going to list all the references. I'll just read these as they are in the bulletin. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. This is God's Word. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I was in a, a group that was meeting for a couple of days about a year and a half ago, and just some of us were going around kind of uh, catching each other up about our lives. And one of the guys told about something that had happened to him when he was in counseling that, that, that past year. And I may have shared this with some of you, but just it's, it's too good not to share it again. And, and, and a preface, the guy that I'm about to, to quote is just a big, jovial, sweet, huggy guy, since you don't know who I'm talking about. So think somebody just like extroverted and loving and, you know, would just love to give you a hug. So he's meeting with a counselor, and this counselor asked this guy, he said, are you, are you an angry person? And he thought, and he thought, well, I'm going to take that question seriously. And he thought, you know, like, how do I talk to my wife? And how do I talk to my kids? And uh, how do I talk with uh, others? And he, and he said, like, you know, I'm certainly capable of it, but I don't think of myself as like a baseline angry person. And then the counselor asked him the most, un, I just think, incredible question. He said, do you ever get angry at inanimate objects? And he said his eyes turned into eggs. Because he remembered like the week before that question came and he was doing yard work and he's trying to start a weed eater. And, and we, it, weed eaters are designed not to start the first few times. <laughs> so it's doing what it's designed to do and, um, and he can't start it. And he exploded. And I mean, this would be the kind of guy that just is not, just is not throwing cuss words you know, around left and right. And uh, I mean, just just spewed out lava. And what the counselor was trying to press on is, all right, you know, it may be that your fear of people or your fear of not getting people's approval or not being liked or what it might mean to you vocationally if you explode to the wrong people, that overrides in certain moments your anger. But, but the weed eater is a window into who you are. You're that angry. It's just, it's just a weed eater. You are that angry. And when he told that story, I laughed, and then I kind of went, oh, dear. I mean, do you see something of your own life in that story? Because I, I, I do in mine. Um, I don't have to spend a lot of time talking to you about why we need to think about anger and why we need, desperately need wisdom about our lives and anger. So let's just jump right in. And I'm calling this morning the insights of anger, that, that if God will bless us and open our eyes, that anger doesn't just have to be, ooh, it's this bad thing, and we're capable of it, and boy, I have some regrets about times I really got angry, and let's all try to do better, and let's just agree that like, we need help in that area. I mean, that's, that's good to admit all those things. But anger can actually give us insights and make us wiser. So let's think about two kinds of insights this morning. First off, through anger, from anger, let's think about insights about God and then insights about ourselves. All right? Insights about God and insights about ourselves. Let, let me start off this way because when I, when I bring up the topic of anger, because we've all had these terrible moments relating to anger or terrible... There, there may be things that still make you wince when you remember what you said or did in anger. 
where I want to start is that anger is not inherently bad. All of us bear the image of God. The Scripture says that even if you don't believe in God, even if you don't agree with the stuff that we're talking about this morning, you bear the image of God. You're created in His image. So, in other words, you're like your ability to create, the fact that you can create a song or a business plan or a short, st- uh, short story or do an interior design, that you can do something creative, that's because you, you bear God's image, whether you worship Him or not. Our ability to get angry is because we are image bearers. God is not just capable. The Scripture is very clear. God is angry about some things. That that's part of His glory. It flows out of His perfection. But here's the thing about God's anger. There's there's an, an incident in the book of Exodus where Moses is overwhelmed and he's discouraged and he says, God, I want to see your glory. And God says, if you see my glory, it would take your life. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. I'm going to pass by you and I'll let you see my back. This is in Exodus 33 and 34. So he, uh, he puts Moses in the cleft of this rock. God passes by. And as God passes by, he describes himself. And he says, and this is right after Israel has just like blown it. They've fallen into idolatry. If you know the account of the golden calves, this is right after they worship the golden calves. After all God did for them. And the Lord passes by. And instead of saying, the Lord, the Lord, wrathful. He says this, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger abounding in love. And that, that little phrase about gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, like you know how songs now will take an audio sample from another song and later songs will use that audio sample? Like just yesterday, Henry played me a song that had taken uh, a drum beat from Led Zeppelin uh, and put it in their song. It's a sample. It's almost like that phrase became a sample in Israel's songs. Like David used that sample a lot. The Lord is, this is in your bulletin, looking from Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And you may or may not know this, but in Hebrew, what we translate slow to anger does not literally translate slow to anger. It literally translates long of nose. And that sounds weird that the holy God would pass by and say, I am long of nose. But when you hear nose, think of the way we talk about a fuse. Like somebody has a long fuse or a short fuse. And something that the Lord says about himself and that God's people celebrate about God is that God has a long nose. It takes a long time for the burn to get to him. A um, couple of things here before we move on is I just want to acknowledge in light of that, godliness does not mean not feeling. To be godly is to be like God. Godliness does not mean not feeling. 
God feels deeply. He's not controlled by his feelings. And his feelings are never come unharnessed from his character, but he feels deeply. Christ-likeness does not mean not feeling deeply. You read the Gospels and see, does Jesus ever get angry? For sure. Uh, In fact, the Old Testament and the New Testament both use this phrase, and, and this is also in your bulletin, be angry and do not sin. Anger is not inherently sinful. But that kind of anger doesn't come naturally to us. It comes naturally to God. And He can change our nature. But the Scripture says, be angry and do not sin. There are some things going on in the life of our city that we're not angry enough about. There are things going on in the United States and around our world that we are not angry enough about because we're comfortable. There is a godly angry, uh, uh, anger. But that's usually not our struggle. So what about the insights about ourselves and our own need for wisdom? Um, let me just read these. First off, wisdom, it's competence about how to navigate life. It's competence about how to do life skillfully because life is complicated. Here's, here's what it says about wisdom and anger. Uh, go down to, go down to uh, 1429. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. 1632, uh, 1632. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city, and this one is especially painful, 1911. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It is his glory to overlook an offense. Now, by contrast, the fool gets to anger quickly. And in case you haven't been here for some of the prior studies, just to keep us on the same page, in the wisdom literature, in books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, books like that, the the wise and the fool, those are categories. Those who know God, those who worship God, those who follow Him in His ways, though they're imperfect and they sin all the time, are the wise or they're the righteous. Those who reject God and His wisdom are the fool are the unrighteous. doesn't mean all good people, all bad people. It's a moral category. How does the fool traffic with anger? Uh, He who has a hasty temper exalts folly. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. How many times have you come away from a lunch or a supper or a meeting and thought to yourself, all I had to do was be quiet. If I had just sat there and composed myself and tried to have even a poker face, it would have been fine. But no, I had to let the entire universe know exactly what I think about everything. And you feel the pangs of regret that we did not control ourselves. And Proverbs says that's, that's foolish. It's folly. 
And, and listen to this one. Uh, back to 2911, the second one down. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. Have you ever said, and I bet most of us have, like, you're mad about something, and you've got to be in your bonnet, and so you call a friend and say, I just have to vent for a second. And it's almost like we're thinking anger is this liquid that has built up inside of me. And so I just need you with me that, like, we'll turn this pressure release valve and we'll let out this, you know, this noxious gas or this liquid, and then it'll get out of me, and I'll go back to being the great person that I am. All right, that's not how venting works. Would you ever say, wow, this fire is really getting big. Let's vent it so that just the fire will all play out. When you vent a fire, what do you get? more fire. And you know the experience of when you've said, like, oh, I've just got to get together and vent, or I've, I've, you know, I've got to just vent for a second, is that you get to the end of it and you don't feel better. You feel angrier. And now you feel angry and tired. Like, well, I talked about it. That didn't get, do any good. So I guess I'm going to have to like blow some, something up. <laughs> Venting is a fool's errand. Um, I want to give one other point about foolish anger. Uh, and, and this is not in your bulletin, but let me read you two proverbs about an intense kind of anger. 6.34, jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. 27.4, wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? And the reason I'm bringing those up is that those are parallel proverbs to say baseline anger is bad enough, baseline wrath is bad enough, but you touch on someone's jealousy, what they're jealous about, and it's a whole different level. Now, why is that? Well, you mess with uh, someone's lover, you mess with someone's spouse, and you have touched on someone ultimate. And what is that showing us about ourselves? Where there is great rage, I mean, not just baseline anger, that's bad too, but when you just kind of can't get over it and come unhinged, what is the insight? That is showing that thing has touched on something that is giant on your insides or ultimate. For instance, uh, you can have somebody that uh, they experienced a setback at work. Maybe uh, they thought they were going to be promoted. Well, let's, let's, let's not speak in the third person. You thought you were going to be promoted or uh, you thought you were going to get a raise or you thought you were going to be sort of uh, appreciated and thanked for something and then you were kind of brought up short and you're furious. That can mean all kinds of things. You know, what, you know what it might mean? Is that what you're finding out about yourself is, really? I don't really fear God. I fear financial stress. Or I fear financial embarrassment. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. But, you know, anger will show us the things that we really fear, that are really ultimate on our insides. 
it's a call, it's a call to self-examination. And you may need objectivity about this. You may have to have a friend speak into your life or a family member and ask, what upsets me most? What do you see? Where do you see me most get angry? And to ask yourself, what am I learning about myself? What is huge in my insides that I didn't know was so huge? Uh, Let me put it this way. And I'm trying to apply this in my own life. Don't waste your failures with anger. I'm not saying our failures with anger are are these wonderful things. But if and when they happen, don't waste those failures. They are teaching us about ourselves. What do I fear? What do I need? What do I think life is incomplete without? What is either trying to be or is more ultimate to me than God? But, um, but let me say this too. Because and, and, I, I want us to hear good news from the Proverbs. I want us to be led to Christ from the Proverbs. Damaging anger can make you want a healing Savior. Take it from experience. Damaging a anger can make you want a healing Savior. I've, I've quoted this before, but this is a collection of letters by John Newton. John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, and he was a pastor. And he left us some amazing letters. And he wrote someone, a pastoral letter, where he talked about the, adma- the advantages of remaining sin. That's a strange thing for a pastor to say. Like, why? You wouldn't imagine a pastor saying, wow, it's really advantageous to have remaining sin. Newton's not saying, oh, it's great to have sin. He's saying that remaining sin does something for us. Because here's the thing. You can talk, we can talk a good game and say like, oh yeah, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner only saved by grace. And I can even like traffic in theological terms like depravity. But I typically think I'm good. But then you really get angry at somebody and hurt them. And you watch that look on that person's face. And you will feel bad. And then, what do you do? Do you wallow in the bad feeling and do penance? Listen to what Newton says. When, after a long experience of their own deceitful hearts, after repeated proofs of their weakness, willfulness, ingratitude, and insensibility, sinners find that none of these things can separate them from the love of God in Christ, Jesus becomes more and more precious to their souls. They love much because much has been forgiven them. They dare not, they will not ascribe anything to themselves, but are glad to acknowledge that they must have perished a thousand times over if Jesus had not been their Savior, their shepherd, and their shield. Let me read this part too. A sense of great unworthiness and much forgiveness checks these evils. Whoever is truly humbled will not be easily angry. 
That just sounds true to me. So what do we do with this? And uh, you know, I've quoted to you what, uh, he wasn't my professor, but a professor at the seminary I attended. That he's with the Lord now. But he used to tell his young charges when he was teaching a preaching class, homiletics. He would say, all right, now when you get out there, I want you to see me on the back wall and I'm staring at you. And I have my arms crossed. And I'm asking, so what? All right, so we're all angry. All right, so what? Well, if we're angry and we believe in Jesus, I want to give you two things. Number one, let's own our foolishness. Like, name it and own it. There's a big difference between, ah, yeah, listen, I, I'm so sorry that I said that, and I just, I just, let's just kind of forget that whole thing and, and, um, and move on. I, just nothing about that is real. That's like a recipe to stay disconnected. But, but first off, because it's first against God that we sin, to, to say to God, I have been a fool. It's not like I'm this wonderful, compassionate person and this weird demon of anger jumped in me, and I acted out a little bit, and then the, you know it went off to New Orleans or something, and I'm left, you know, my good self. But I've got to do some cleanup here as my good self. Now I've been a fool, because I fear that, or I want that more than I fear you, or I want you. And Lord, I'm sorry. And then to say to that person that we heard, I'm sorry. That's that was my foolishness. And some of us need to do that with one another. You cannot have this many people in a community and not need that. There there are members of downtown Presbyterian that need to apologize to one another and own things with one another and say, I've been a fool. And you know what the great thing is? If you read these Proverbs, especially the ones about anger, and you just think, I just identify more with the fool than with the wise person. You know what the irony is? That means you're barreling toward wisdom. When you feel more like the fool and you identify more with the fool, you are barreling toward wisdom. I hope that lifts your heart. Uh, The second thing is this, is that if you are in Christ embrace who you are because I think there's something in particular about anger if you struggle with anger is that it's easy to feel like I was an unforgiven angry person and now I believe the gospel and I'm the forgiven person I've always been that is not true and I'm going to keep saying this until you believe it and until I believe it I'm starting to sound angry in my anger sermon. (laughs) No, it's not anger. It's emphatic because we need this. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he or she is a what? A new creation. You're not a forgiven version of the old you. You are forgiven and you are a new you. And the forces of evil are going to try to tell you, you are not capable of keeping your mouth shut. So it's great that Jesus takes it away, but don't kid yourself. You're not capable of controlling your temper. You're not capable 
of wielding gentleness and self-control instead of rage. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Your new identity was created to exercise exercise self-control and gentleness and kindness because Jesus made us that way. Let's embrace who we are. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that maybe even the memory that bubbled up as we're thinking this morning about anger, the terrible fight, the terrible confrontation, the scene we made, the opinion that we threw out so harshly, that that would humble us this morning, would make us not only believe but feel that we need saving, we need redemption, we need atonement. Lord Jesus, thank you that you endured not only the sinful anger of men, but the righteous anger of your Father to cleanse and change angry sinners. We praise you. Thank you for your table. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.